One of the key teachings that the Bible uh, teaches for us is this idea that a person who is saved goes through a process throughout the course of their life uh, called sanctification. And that's just a big word that simply means that, that as you go through the course of your life, God is at work in your life, giving you the ability to turn from your sin and to follow him more and more. He, he gives you the ability as God works in your life to sin less and serve him more, grow in your faith more. You're able to, to die more and more to your sin and live more and more in righteousness that God has called you to. And so when, when God saves you, when his Holy Spirit comes inside of you, when you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, that begins a journey throughout the course of your physical life that God works in you to make you more like Jesus, to make you more of who you really are in Jesus. Uh, when, we are, when we are saved, uh, we are made holy. That's our identity in Christ. Even though we still sin, we are considered holy because of what Christ has done for us on, on the cross. And so throughout the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, throughout this process of sanctification, we are being grown closer in our relationship to Jesus and in our, in our submission to Jesus. But one of the dangerous lies that has permeated Christian culture within our, within our time and with our generation is this idea that many self-proclaimed Christians believe that as long as they trust Jesus, it doesn't matter what they do in their lives. Uh, that trusting Jesus or asking Jesus into their heart is like a, a ticket out of hell. And it doesn't matter what we do with our lives. We can continue to live in sin and have no problem with, with God when we come to the end of our life. Uh, the problem with that thinking is that the Bible teaches when a person is saved, they are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In other words, when you trust Christ, you no longer are to live in the ways of this world, doing the things that the world said is okay. Uh, the problem is that we have, we've grown comfortable with making compromises. Uh, we've grown comfortable with making compromises with the world and the world's way of doing things. And some of this may be good intention, right? Like some of this may just be that we've, we want to be able to reach more people. And if we water things down a little bit, if we're not as, as strict on what the Bible says on certain things, then maybe we can get more people to follow Christ. Maybe we can get more people to, to trust Christ. Uh, the problem with this, though, is that we are called to live faithful to God, making no compromises on his word. God does not need our help to protect his reputation. God is God. He defends himself. Uh, but sometimes well-meaning people want to kind of water things down a little bit to try to maybe reach more people. And, and their heart's in the right place, but they're going about it the completely wrong way. We must let God speak for himself. You can be sincere and have good motives and yet still be sincerely wrong if you're compromising on the word of God. Others, they may just have terrible motives for compromising, right? You might just love your sin. You might just really like the things that you do that you know are wrong. And like you've convinced yourself that even though uh, God doesn't want you to do whatever it is, that, that it's okay uh, because it feels right. You know, God just wants us to be happy. 
And, and sometimes we kind of lie to ourselves. We, we feel like we uh, can just kind of trust our heart in the moment and, and go like that. And that's a terrible motive for, for continuing in our sin because that is not how God operates either. He gives us new desires. He gives us new ways of thinking. I, if we feel like that about our sin and we really don't care to give it up, that really means we just don't fear God, that we don't respect God, that we really don't serve God. And so there's a real danger there in making compromises on any of those fronts, no matter what your intentions are. Because to water down the gospel is to preach a gospel that is no gospel at all. To take away the truth of God's word and the truth of what Christ proclaims, to to call what God says is sin right, is to take away God's tool that he uses to draw us closer to Christ. You see, the law of God, that's why we have the Ten Commandments. Its first rule for us, its first use for us, is to bring us closer to God. In other words, it tells us how messed up we are. Right? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm not a perfect person. Right? Like, you you can be honest, I can be honest, we have broken probably every commandment more than once. And we probably still do if we're honest. And when we do that, that shows us that we are not perfect and we need someone who can forgive us of that. And that person is Jesus. And now, since we have the law, since we've trusted Christ, the law for us is more now a a guidebook for how we live a life that pleases God. And so as we look at God's word, as we look at his law, we, we must never compromise. However, this world, we will be tempted to compromise. We will be tempted to go against our values, to go against our morals, to go against what God says is right, We will be tempted to keep our mouth shut. We will be tempted to not act, say, or do. But yet, we as Christians must never compromise on the Word of God. We must never compromise our values and our beliefs, no matter what the world says they will do to us. Think of the apostles, what all happened to them. Every last one of them were executed for following Christ, for not compromising. I pray that doesn't happen to us, but if it does, God will give us the faith to stand strong. He will give us the faith to keep going on. And so in this world, we might be tempted to keep our mouth shut. And have you ever noticed that as Christians, we're told not to speak of our views in the public square? It's like everybody else in the world can say everything that they want to that's hateful and nasty and disgusting, and that's that's lauded by the public. But at the moment that a Christian says anything about Jesus Christ, says anything about the forgiveness of sins, people want our jobs. They want us out on the streets. They, they want to, to cancel us. They want to take us out of society. Why is that? Well, it's because the world is against God. You see, Satan is active in this world and he wants to sideline us. One of the things we believe that the Bible teaches is that Satan is absolutely opposed to all that is good, right, and true. That Satan is a being. He is an angel that has rebelled against God, been cast out of heaven. He is not as powerful as God, but he still wages war against God. And we know that one day he will fail. But even now, he can lead us astray. And so we as Christians must not ever compromise 
on what God has called us to do, what God has called us to say. He wants, the, the world wants us to be silent. He wants us to be led astray. Uh, the world wants us to compromise, but we must take a stand, the stand of faith, and never compromise because compromising leads to very dangerous places. When we compromise on the word of God, what we do is we present, as I said earlier, a gospel that is not a gospel. When we want to add to what the Bible says, we add regulations on to what the Bible says, and we are not providing a gospel, we're providing bondage. If we want to take away from what the Bible says about trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of sins, when Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel, he meant it. When we want to take those things away, what we teach is not a gospel that can save, but it is a, a gospel that damns people to hell. We must never compromise upon the truth of the gospel. I was reading the other day, there was this hunter and he raised his rifle and took careful aim at this bear. And as he was aiming at this bear, he was about to pull a trigger and all of a sudden the bear began to speak to him. And he said, hey, 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 isn't it better to talk than to shoot me? Let's have a negotiation. Let's talk a little bit. What do you want? Let us negotiate the matter. Well, the hunter, he's, uh, he's kind of dumbfounded, which, I mean, you would be too if you're out in the woods and a bear started talking to you. You'd be thinking, I, I don't know what I ate last night. Something's not right. Maybe I'm having some sort of infection. But anyways, he obliges the, the bear and he said, okay, um, I, I really, I just want a fur coat. The bear says, good, good. That's, that's good. That's, that's negotiable. We can work with that. See, all I want is a full stomach. So let's negotiate. Let's come to a compromise. So the hunter and the bear, they sat down together. They began to negotiate. And after a time, the bear walked away alone. Negotiation had been successful. The bear had a full stomach and the hunter had a fur coat. (laughs) Compromises rarely satisfy both sides equally. When we compromise on God's word, we end up as a hunter in the belly of a bear. It's not a good thing. It's not a good place to be. When we are tempted to sin against God, when we're tempted to compromise, it causes not only our pain, but pain to those that are around us. Sin very rarely affects only one person, but it has rippling effects that touch all the people that we love and hold dear. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. As we look together and continue in our series, just looking at selected psalms. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew back in front of you. If you need a Bible, feel free to take one as our gift to you this morning. And so we're going to start there. Psalm 141, verses 3 through 4. 3 through 4. Word of God tells us, Set guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be inclined to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their delicacies. Uh, In these verses, David, he knows that he's going to be tempted to act and speak in a way that dishonors God. Uh, He's been facing a lot of, a lot of, temptations, a lot of struggles, a lot of people have been rising up against him. And so he knows that in his own flesh, he's going to struggle to say things that he shouldn't say 
and end up actually doing things he shouldn't do and compromising what he knows he is called to do and be as God's anointed king. And so what he does is he goes and he prays to the Lord and asks the Lord himself to deliver him from these temptations. And I believe that's what these verses mean for us today. That we can ask God to deliver us from the temptations to compromise in our life. That we need his help to do it. Because in our natural self, we, we naturally are going to want to compromise because that's a whole lot easier. But we can ask the Lord to help us and deliver us from that temptation to compromise. So let's go ahead and dive into this passage. Look here in verse 3. He says, set guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Uh, In this verse, David, he has this great understanding of his own sinfulness. He has this great understanding of of his heart. He knows that he's going to be tempted to say things that he shouldn't say. How how many of you have ever uh, put your foot in your mouth? Yeah, I have. I have definitely put my foot in my mouth more than a few times. How many of you have accidentally said things you shouldn't have said in frustration or in anger that you didn't really mean? It just happened. You, you just pew out, spew out filth. David, he understands that's going to happen to him. That he's going to say things he shouldn't say. So he asked the Lord to help him. He says, Lord, guard my mouth. Set guard over my mouth. Watch over the door of my lips. It's almost like he's saying, hey, Lord, if I'm going to say anything dumb, if I'm going to say anything that does not glorify you, go ahead and just duct tape my mouth. Just cover it up. Don't let me speak things that are evil against you. Help me, Lord, not to go and compromise in the words that I say. Now, why is that such an important thing? Why is it that David wants to watch what he says? Why is it that that we as Christians should also look and watch our speech and what it says? Why should we ask the Lord to help us with our speech? Well, the Bible actually tells us that our speech reveals something very central to who we are. It reveals our character. It reveals our heart. And so when we speak, when we talk, what comes out of our mouth is what we feel and believe in our hearts. It reveals the nature of who we are, the reality of our hearts. Jesus, he's with his disciples, and there is this dispute uh, amongst the Pharisees and the disciples because of all things, his disciples were eating without washing their hands. And in that, in that culture, there was this ceremonial washing that you had to do in order to be considered clean. And so they would wash their hands and they would eat. And his disciples would go by and they would just eat whatever they wanted, however they wanted. They would do all sorts of things and not abide by just the, the man-made religion that the, the Pharisees and others had put in place. And, and so Jesus, in the midst of that, has this to say in Mark in chapter 7, verses 20 and 23. He says, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within our hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. The Pharisees are saying, you're defiled because you eat and drink the wrong things. And, and Jesus is saying, no, you're defiled because your heart is defiled. And what you say reveals that truth. What you say and what you do reveals that truth. Our speech reveals the reality 
of our hearts. So friends, what is it that you talk about? Because what you say reveals the nature of your heart. What is it that you talk about? What is it that you say? Are you crude in your speech and you're joking? Are you, are you talking about others? Do your prayer requests turn into gossip sessions? Are you a busybody that runs around worrying about what everybody else is doing instead of taking care of your own self and your own walk with Christ? As Christians, we are called to watch our speak. And the Bible warns us that we should guard our tongues because the lack of restraint is a sign of a very bad spiritual issue. It's a sign that our heart is sick and that we might be hypocrites. James 1.26, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. In other words, if you say you're a Christian and you do not make an attempt to watch your mouth, to guard your tongue, that your religion is worthless. In other words, it's not saying that necessarily you're unsaved, but it is saying you need to repent. You need to watch what you say so that you honor God with your mouth, with your lips. Oh, that the Lord would help us to speak in a way that builds others up. That the Lord would help us to speak in a way that speaks life into a situation. As Christians, as we who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, that have the hope of all things in the world, that God would give us that joy to be able to be positive in every situation. We as Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world, and thank God we are. He gives us this happiness. He helps us to, to speak in a way that speaks life and speaks the good news into the lives of ourselves and in the world around us. And when we fail at this, the good news is that Jesus himself has even set us free from that. That Jesus himself has forgiven us of that sin of just vomiting filth out of our mouths. He has forgiven us. He has set us free from that. Though we struggle to watch our mouths, the Holy Spirit of God inside of us helps us to guard our mouths because what we say reveals the nature of our heart. And just as David had to call upon the Lord, we too need to understand that God is able to deliver us from that. And so we call to the Lord in Him. And we say to the Lord, Lord, deliver me from compromising speech. And since God delivers his people from compromising speech, guess what? We can ask him to help us do it. He will. He will help us in that regard. And as we look there in verse 4, we, we, we see that David realizes that, that his speech is really the result of what's in his heart, as we've talked about. That, that what he says really reveals his own desires in his heart. And he knows that his desires are evil, that they're wicked to the Lord and in the sight of the Lord. And that these desires will end up leading for him to do wicked things, evil things, and then partnering with evil people and end up actually loving the things that he should hate. Loving the things that he gets out of doing the wicked things. And all that starts though with what he desires. So he asked the Lord to help him with his desires, to deliver him from these wicked desires and give him desires that glorify God. Notice there, verse 4. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds, in the company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies there. Notice. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. In other words, don't let me desire to do that which is wrong. Don't let me do what is evil in your sight. Don't let me desire those things. Don't make me just want to do what is wrong and to fill my time with doing what is evil in your sight. 
You see, the Bible teaches us that the root of our sin is actually our own desire. That the reason we sin is because we want to. We can't blame anyone else for our sin. We can't blame the neighbor down the street who is just being a jerk. We can't blame the person who's cutting us off in traffic. We can't blame anyone but ourselves for our own sin. No one else forces us to sin. We sin because ultimately at that time our desire is to do that. We sin because we want to. Do we see lions chasing down heads of lettuce in a garden to eat and devour? No. Lions don't chase down lettuce. They want flesh. They want meat. They want blood. It is in their nature to hunt and kill, not forage. We sin because it is our nature to do so. It is our nature to go against God. And even the desire to sin is sin itself. The Bible teaches us in James in chapter 1, 14 and 15, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. We desire sin because we have a heart that is evil, wicked, and spiritually dead. How many times have you ever heard the, heard the phrase, just follow your heart? Just do what you feel is right. We hear that all the time. And sometimes we use that as an excuse to sin, right? Like I have heard countless times where people are living in a sinful lifestyle and they just say, I know the Lord wants me to do this because I just feel good about it. I know the Lord wants me to be happy. I just know in my heart that it is okay. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It is a dangerous thing to follow our feelings and to follow our heart. We as Christians are not called to do what we feel is right. We're called to do what God says is right. And that is hard. But the Holy Spirit of God inside of us gives us that ability to turn from our sin. And He gives us these new desires. You see, our desires... Our wicked desires are ultimately the result of a spiritually dead heart. The good news is that Jesus sent his son to deal with this sick heart, to deal with this sin problem. That Jesus himself paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. He experienced the wrath of God, buried, rose again on the third day, granting us forgiveness and eternal life to all by faith follow him. Friends, when you trust Jesus, you are given a new heart. You are given new desires. You are being worked on by the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, helping you to have new desires that honor Him and glorify Him. So friends, what is it that you desire? Do you desire wicked things? Do you find yourself wanting to do sinful things? Are you stuck in your sin? Dear friends, turn to Christ because He has given you a new heart. If you trust Christ, He has given you His Holy Spirit and He will deliver you from your sins. He will deliver you from these evil desires in your heart and He will, over the course of time, give you new desires. Friends, since God delivers His people from compromising desires, we can ask Him for help. You can ask God to help you. You can ask God to help deliver you from the temptation to compromise in your speech, in your desires, whatever it is, God delivers you from temptation. He delivers you from desires. But why should you even worry about it? Well, that's because we're called to be holy and blameless. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 verse 4, 
God chose you in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world with this purpose in mind, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God's purpose in saving you in part is so that you would be holy and blameless. And when you trust God, that is your identity. It's like you have a name tag that says holy, blameless. That is your new identity. And over the course of time, as the Spirit of God works in your life, He's going to make you more holy and more blameless over the course of time. Some of us, it's going to be a very fast progression. Some of us, it's going to be slow. We're going to have a few setbacks and it's going to be slow and a few setbacks and we're going to keep going. But guess what? God's still working in your heart. He's still moving in you. He, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So you are called to be holy and blameless. Another reason we should seek to be delivered from these temptations is, is because when we live in unrepentant sin, what we do is we take the name of the Lord in vain. We blaspheme the Lord. A lot of times we, we think that to take the name of the Lord in vain simply means to use God or, or Jesus' name in a, as a cuss word. But it also means to take on His name, to call yourself His, per, His people and live a life that goes completely against what His word says. Uh, does that mean you have to be perfect all the time? No, because that's not going to happen. But the Lord is going to give us the ability to turn from our sins. And so we, we, we are called to be holy and blameless. When we live in sin and we do not repent, we're taking the name of the Lord in vain. We blaspheme Him. That's not honoring Him. And we're called to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But what if you love your sin? Like what if you like know that you're sinning, but you just love it? And you don't want to turn from it. I would say heed this warning from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. I would say heed this warning and then listen to the good news that's at the end of it. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, that's kind of sad because all of us are unrighteous, right? Well, let's keep going. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That pretty much sums up every one of us. Notice what it says in that last verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you. Friends, God is taking people who used to love their sin and live in their sin and He's making them new. Heaven is going to be filled with a bunch of unrighteous people who are saved by the grace of God and made righteous over time by the Spirit of God. It says, such were some of you. Such were some of you. You were immoral. You were idolaters. You were thieves and greedy and drunkards and revilers and swindlers. You were those things, but now you are washed. In other words, you're saved. You're justified. In other words, you're, you're counted as holy. You were sanctified. You're set apart through what means? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We once were in our sins, but God has made us new. And so if you love your sin, heed that warning that no one who lives in their sin inherits the kingdom of God, but that there is grace to those that trust Christ because He is going to enable us to turn from those things. Because if we're saved by grace and not our works, it is God who saves us. It's not our works, it's not. It's the work of God that saves us. 
And sometimes we might use that as like an excuse, right? If I'm saved by the grace of God and not my works, sin's already paid for. Can't I just continue in my sin? The desire to continue in our sin is just a symptom of spiritual sickness, spiritual death. Uh, the desire to continue in sin is telling, it should be a sign to you that, that you're trying to serve two masters. Like, you can't serve two masters. Either you follow Christ or you don't. And the Bible urges us, tells us that we have been set free from sin, that we might live for Christ. But I also know that some of this has been really tough because like, it's a lot of like, hey, deliver me from the sin and, and an introspection. And, and I know that if you're like me, you do not have it all together yet, that you're not 100% perfect, right? Some of you, you may sit there and think, man, Stephen just beat me up today. And I want to just encourage you because if you're trying and you're trusting Christ and you're still struggling with sin, I want you to know you're in good company. That, that you really are. You're in good company. Uh, Paul himself had the same struggle. He was trying to follow Christ, but he kept sinning. And he says in verse 15 of Romans chapter 7, For I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very things I hate. He knows what's right and still does the wrong thing, and he hates it. See, that's what sets it apart. Do you hate your sin? Do you desire to turn from your sin? See, the presence of sin in your life doesn't mean you're unsaved. It means you're a human who's still struggling with his sanctification or her sanctification. The, problem, the question is, what is your desire and your, your attitude toward your sin? If you're not desire, hating your sin and desiring to turn from your sin... Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to give you that desire to turn from it. He will, because that's his will for you, for you to follow him in faith, in obedience, watching your speech, watching what you say. And he does all this through the means of grace. He changes our desires in our life through the means of grace. What are those things? Worship. When we worship together, we praise the excellencies of God. We show our love for God. God's with us in a very real way, but also in Bible reading and prayer. How can we know the desires of God if we don't know what God says? We can listen to God's word. We can read God's word, spend time in prayer, join together community, fellowship, all those types of things are these means of grace that God uses to change the desires of our heart that we might know what honors him. Through each of those means of grace, God renews the desires of our hearts. And so if, if you're struggling with the desire to sin, I would encourage you, get in the word, spend time in worship, pray, gather around other believers and seek to know the Lord more. How many of you have dogs? I do. They're wild. And so obviously I did not do a great job of training my dogs. But if you train a dog, there are times, and I, one of my dogs is good at this. The other dog is not good at this at all, okay? I try to, like, make them where, like, they eat on command. And so, like, I feed them. And I was like, nope, don't do it. Nope, don't do it. One dog, he just jumps right in there and starts eating. The other dog, she just sits there and just looks at me until I tell her she can eat. So one of them's got it. The other one doesn't. Remy's the one that got it. Dixie, she lives up to her name. She's a rebel. She just does whatever she wants. But I noticed something. With the one that listens, do you know what Remy does? I put the food down, and she's going after her. I said, no. She just stares at it, sits down, and then she takes her head off the food, and what does she do? She looks at me. 
The other dog that just jumps in it, I tell her no, she stops, she looks at me and then looks back at the food. I'm like, no, don't do it. And she goes and does it anyway. What's the difference? One dog that went into that temptation kept staring at it, kept looking at what they desired. But the dog who knew that that food was too tempting, Remy knew that if she kept looking at that food, that was going to be too tempting. She was going to jump straight at it. She had to look to me, her master. Dear friends, when we are tempted, we must take our eyes off of whatever is tempting us and keep our eyes on the master. Keep our eyes on Christ. Fix our eyes on the master's face. When we are tempted to compromise, let us always look to the master's face because the Lord Jesus Christ will help you and deliver you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the fact that that you help us to keep from compromising, that, that when we are tempted, you always provide a way out. Uh, we know that we are going to be tempted to say things we shouldn't say. We know we're going to be tempted to, to have these desires that we shouldn't have. And Father, we're asking now that you would cleanse us of that. Father, we, we know that we are saved only by your grace. And so, Father, we thank you for that grace that has forgiven us. And we just ask, Lord, that you would help us each and every day to continue to turn from our sin and live toward you. Help us to hate our sin and be putting it to death, knowing that our sin will, in the end, bring destruction. Father, help us look to you always by faith. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.